God, we love you, and we're thankful for you this morning. We're thankful for, for the gift of your son. We're thankful for the sacrifice of your son. God, thank you for, for your victory over sin and victory over death that we celebrate this morning. God, I, I pray as I pray every week that you would, you would speak through your word and that you would also speak through me, God. Don't let the words that are coming out of my mouth just be my human words, God, but would everyone here hear from you today? Would they be your words for your people on this year day. God, we love you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, again, I just want to say welcome. Uh, whether you're, if you've been here, going here for a while, whether it's your first time here, just welcome. Uh, what a day to come. Easter, again, is one of my favorite days of the year, uh, just to, to be at church. And there are some of us and some of you out there who who this is one of your favorite days of the year. Like this is one that you circle on the calendar and you have it and you, you wake up and you've got a song in your head because it's Easter. I was talking to Sue earlier who woke up and said, man, I just had He Arose in my head. I woke up with that hymn and I was just singing it because this is such a joyful day. This is Easter. And, and uh, there, are, there are some of us who just really look forward to this and there are others who, who maybe this, is, this whole thing is kind of new to them. And, and to, so to... Uh, to wherever you are in this whole thing, I just want to say welcome and, and thank you for, for coming this morning. And uh, today, again, is one of my favorite days to preach. And I think it's just because the, it's just so real today. You know, the, 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 this Holy Week and leading up to this with the Good Friday prayer path and, and uh, just everything leading up. It's just a time of reflection and time of, of just thinking about Easter and getting to just getting our minds wrapped around it. I, I love it. And, and uh, Today we get to, to talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we get to talk about Jesus' victory over death and victory over sin and, and the victory of light over darkness, and, and we get to talk about forgiveness and grace and, and so many good things to talk about. But I want to start this morning with just a chronology of the events of Easter. This last week is called Holy Week. We, we go through Holy Week, and last week we started Holy Week with, with Palm Sunday. And we talked about Palm Sunday last week, of the day in which Jesus rides into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey to people shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna to the Son of David, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. They're shouting this at him as he, as he rides in and people are throwing down their clothes and throwing down palm leaves on the road. As this, this, is, this, is a, this is a royal treatment for Jesus as he's coming in. They're expecting him to, to be the new king. They're expecting him to, to, to be the king of this new kingdom that he's been talking about in the Gospels. And, and they don't quite get it the way that they think they're going to get it, but they do get it. Now that's Palm Sunday. We talked about that last week. Four days later, Jesus is having the Passover dinner on, on some of it's called Maundy Thursday or Holy Thursday. Jesus is having the Passover dinner with, with his disciples. And this, and this dinner is, he, he's, he's beginning, you can read about this dinner in Matthew chapter 26 or Mark 14 or Luke 22 or John chapter 13, it's in all four Gospels. Jesus begins to say some things at this dinner that kind of foretell what is about to happen. But the disciples don't quite get it. And Jesus is saying some weird things. He's saying like, hey, whenever you eat this bread, this, remember that this is my body. This is my body broken for you. He takes a cup of wine. He said, this is my blood which is shed for you. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. He's saying some, some kind of weird things at this dinner. And the disciples don't, don't quite get it. Just a few hours later, he's He's arrested. And through the night, he's, he's kind of railroaded through the court system. He's, he has 
essentially like six trials, and he's, he's beaten and he's tortured. And by, by nine o'clock in the morning, on Friday morning, Jesus is hanging on a cross. Good Friday. Wasn't quite so good on that first one, I don't think. It's good because of today. It's good because of what we know happens on, on Resurrection Day. But Good Friday, when Jesus was, was hanging on a cross, he's hanging on the cross at, at about 9 o'clock in the morning. And by 3 o'clock in the afternoon, we know that Jesus has taken his last breath, which is a pretty, pretty quick way to go on a cross. Sometimes it would take longer. Sometimes it would take a full day. Sometimes it, would, it just takes a long time. It, the way that you even die on a cross, just suffocating, that's, that's the way it is. It takes a while. The disciples now at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on, on Friday have a dilemma on their hands. They need to bury Jesus. But at sundown, the Sabbath starts. Time was a little different then. Right? Time wasn't 12.01 as the next day. It was when the sun goes down. It's the Sabbath, day one. So the disciples have a, have a dilemma on their hands. We need, to, we need to get Jesus prepared for burial. This was not a, not a short process at this time. This, is, this involved about 75 pounds of spices and, and oils and different things that they would put around his body and they would wrap him and they, would, they had to find a tomb, which they didn't have at the moment. They had to, to find a tomb and then they had to, to actually put him in the tomb and bury him. And, and this all had to happen before the sun went down. Because when the sun went down, it was the Sabbath, and it was illegal to do anything like this on the Sabbath. They get it done. They find a tomb. They find a place to bury him. The women get around, and they, they, they prepare him for the burial, and then Jesus is laid in the tomb. Day one. Good Friday. Sun goes down, and it's the Sabbath, and it's Saturday. You can imagine what the disciples are feeling at this point. The disciples are, are probably a little bit numb, as are the people who, who were shouting on, on just a few days earlier, just five days earlier, Hosanna, blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna is in the highest heaven. They're, they are crowning Jesus as king as he's walking into Jerusalem. And five days later, they've killed him and he's in a tomb. And the disciples, you can sense this, are, are just lost. They're a little numb. Maybe you've, maybe you've been there a little bit. Maybe, maybe something has happened in your life and it's just something that maybe just is tragic or something that has just turned your whole world upside down and it just, there's just a numb feeling. Sundown on Saturday, day two. Sundown, day three. Now, the third day is really important. The third day is really significant. Jesus has, has talked a lot about the third day in Matthew chapter 16, 17, and 20, and Luke chapter 9, and 18, and 24. He has talked about the importance of the third day, that this third day would be the day that he comes back, that he is raised back to life. This is what, this is what we read. The disciples still didn't quite understand, but this is what Jesus is saying. I want to I read this morning just the events of, of this third day. And then I want to I just, just talk a little bit about resurrection this morning. 
This third day is important. If you want to turn with me to John chapter 20, we're going to start at verse 1. If you're using one of our pew Bibles, it's on page 768, if you want to follow along. John chapter 20. Starting at verse 1. Here's what it says. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, while it's still nighttime, right? This is the very beginning of the third day. This is early in the morning while it was still dark. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. Side note here. Gospel of John is written by John. Anybody want to guess who the disciple that Jesus loved is? John, right? A little confident. He's, he's, he's yeah. So he came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and they said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter. Note, John, I'm faster than Peter, right? That's what John is saying. The other disciple started for the, so Peter and the other disciple decided for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, just a side note again, I got there first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now, I want you to hear that. They still didn't get it. They still didn't get it. Verse 11, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I'll go get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. He just says her name. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. Go ahead instead. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I've seen the Lord. She said, and she told them what she told them that he had said these things to her. I love this story. This is my favorite account of of the resurrection day in in either in any of the gospels. Jesus is gone, just like he said he would be. Hey, remember he's he's told the disciples many times earlier on in the scriptures. I will be raised on the third day. He's told them about this. But they, I think they were kind of looking at this like, 
we don't want this to be true. We don't want you to have to die. We don't understand what is going on here because you keep saying about bringing this new kingdom. How can you bring about a new kingdom if you aren't here? And so if you die, how does this whole thing work, Jesus? It doesn't make sense for you to die. You're coming back from the grave like that doesn't even make sense either because resurrection just doesn't happen. Right? None of this makes sense. None of this is, none of this is, is, is kind of, none of this makes sense in, in their minds. I love verse 9. They still did not understand that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Everyone knew about the declaration of Jesus. The Pharisees took it seriously. The, the government took it seriously. You know how I know that? Because in other Gospels we read that they put guards at the tomb. They sealed the tomb just in case it was right. They wanted to make sure that this Jesus guy who was going to, to overthrow them, right, who started starting this new kingdom, this kingdom of God, they wanted to make sure he was gone. They wanted to make sure he was dead. And so they put guards there. They, they sealed that tomb. They wanted to make sure. The disciples, on the other hand, were kind of hiding away. The disciples, on the other hand, were, were in a room hiding with the door locked, we read later in Scripture. I find this really interesting. I mean, you would expect the disciples to be there. Jesus has told them over and they've seen the entirety of Jesus' ministry. They've seen the miracles. They've seen the, everything that he has done, and yet they still don't believe enough to be there on the third day. You would think that they would be there. You would think that Lazarus, the guy that Jesus just rose from the dead, just a few days earlier, would be there. If anybody knows that Jesus can do things like that, it's this guy who literally just died and was raised back to life. You would think those 5,000 people that Jesus fed on the mountainside would be there. They're not there. You would think that the guy who, who got lowered into the roof to be healed by Jesus would be there. He's not there. See, Jesus, Jesus, I love this. Sometime in the darkness, I love that, that it says that they get there in the dark because sometime in the darkness, the light of Christ shined in. At some point in the dead of night, Jesus rose out of the grave and walked out of the grave to a grand audience of zero. Jesus shines light into the darkness. That's a sermon in and of itself right there. Because Jesus always shines light into the dark places of our lives. Jesus always does this. And I, and I also love that this happens because if you've ever had doubts, if you've ever been just, just struggling with your faith, if you've ever been questioning things, you can look at this and just say, man, the disciples were literally with Jesus all day, every day, and they still didn't get it. They still didn't get it. But I don't want to skip over verse 8 either, because John, the one that Jesus loved, the one who was faster than Peter, it says he goes into the tomb, and when he sees the linens and he sees that Jesus is gone. It says he saw and he believed. He saw the resurrection and he believed. He saw and he believed. Now we don't have the, uh, unfortunately we don't have the, 
the capability to go back and watch the resurrection. Right? We don't have the replay room that I'm, I'm banking on being in heaven to be able to go back and watch this happen. We, we cannot go and see with our own two eyes that the resurrection happened. Right? But I think, I, I think the answer to this question that we have is, is, is everything. And here's the question I want to ask this morning. Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Did Jesus really rise from the dead? I'm getting a thumbs up here. There's a yes. And right here. There's a yes. All the kids are giving me thumbs up. I love it. I love it. Did Jesus really rise from the dead? And I'm not talking about just resuscitation here. I'm not talking about Jesus being reincarnated here. I'm talking about a full-on resurrection. Jesus dies on the cross, dead for three days, raised up again into life. Did Jesus really rise from the grave? Here's the thing. If the answer is no, then we're all just wasting our time here. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you go there, let me see. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you're, if you're in a pew Bible, it's on page 815. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says this. I just want to read this, and then and this is Paul talking about the resurrection. Start at verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you, on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised <clears throat> on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve, and after that to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as one as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach and this is what you believed. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins." Then those who have also fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. And keeps going. I want you to hear this though. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, then we of all people are most to be pitied. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, we are here for nothing. And in fact, Paul says we are to be pitied if we believe this, and it is not true. 
So did it actually happen? Your answer to this is, is important. I think it's, it's of the utmost importance. And it's not a matter of opinion. It's not a matter of preference or ideology. This is, this is fact. This is true. Do you believe this is true, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead? There's some possible explanations, right? Here's some, some possible explanations for all this. If your answer is no, then here's some possible explanations. That maybe the first, the first explanation is Jesus didn't actually die on the cross. Right? Jesus maybe didn't actually. It, maybe it wasn't actually him. There are some religions who teach that Jesus didn't actually die on the cross, that he, he sent a substitute instead onto the cross. Right? There are others who say that Jesus didn't die on the cross. He was, he was beaten really badly, and he was hurt really, 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 really bad. But he didn't die. He was unconscious. And when they laid him in the tomb, he, he regained his consciousness. And somehow, after being beaten and tortured and a spear through his side and all this kind of stuff, he rolled away a big stone, walked past the guards, and was, and was gone. Maybe Jesus didn't really die on the cross. Second explanation, maybe the tomb wasn't empty. This is a, this is a real theory, by the way. I'm not just making these things up. These are real ideas that real people have. <clears throat> maybe the tomb was not empty. And the people who subscribe to this would say that, that Mary and, and, and Martha, on their, or Mary, and as they were going to the tomb to see Jesus on this morning, that in their grief and in their unbelief that they, they walked to the wrong tomb. And they saw an empty tomb because it was a tomb that, that was never full. Jesus never was in the tomb. And, and then just people that follow just assume they knew where they were talking about and, and there's an empty tomb. But here's a, the third explanation is maybe the disciples stole the body. Maybe the disciples stole it. Now this is unlikely, I think. The disciples had, we read in Scripture, the disciples had pretty much lost hope at this point. Right, just a few chapters later in John, we read about their Jesus coming to meet them and we read that the disciples are actually fishing again which is what they did before they met Jesus, which is what they did before they kind of bought into Jesus' mission and this new kingdom of God that Jesus is, is proclaiming here. They have gone back to the old way of life that they knew before. They are not carrying on this mission of Jesus. And so for, for the disciples to somehow kind of muster up the courage to go and, and go to the tomb and, and steal the body just seems, seems unlikely to me. And in fact, I, I, just in the passage we just read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6, it says that Jesus appeared to over 500 people. And some of them, Paul says, are still alive. Just go ask them. Go ask them about their experience in seeing the risen Christ. Fourth option here is disciples must just have been delusional. They didn't really see Jesus. They just really wanted to see Jesus, and so, so their minds made it happen. They're just delusional. Again, I go back to the same thing I just said in, in 1 Corinthians 15. It says that Jesus appeared to over 500 people. And Paul says, go ask them about it. The, the last one is, the last explanation is pretty simple, that Jesus did actually die on the cross, and he did actually rise from the dead. He did actually die on a cross, and he did actually rise from the dead. This is, this is the point in which our faith stands or falls. 
is our answer to this. Did Jesus rise from the dead? If it's true that Jesus rose from the dead, then Jesus is the authority. He is Lord over life, and he is authority over death. He is Lord over death. Jesus is Lord. Lord just means the one with authority, the one with the most authority. Jesus is Lord over life and death. John 10, John 10, Jesus even says this, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down. This is what Jesus says. No one takes my life from me. I, I lay it down and I can take it back up. I have the authority over life and death. That Jesus is Lord over life and death. Jesus is Lord also, if this is true, over sin and he's Lord over Satan. See, death is a consequence of our sin. All right, this is the, the wages of sin. This is the payment. The wages of sin is death. In fact, just in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and again, if you just go a little bit past where we were to verse 55, Paul, Paul says this, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is Lord, not, over just, not just over life and death. He's Lord over sin. He's Lord over Satan. And last of all, he is Lord over you and me. He's Lord over you and me. This is the, the fundamental confession of our Christian faith. Jesus is Lord. If you turn with me to Romans chapter 10, Romans 10 verse 9. If you're in a pew Bible, it's on page 802. I just want to read this verse from Romans chapter 10. Here's what it says. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you don't have this underline in your Bible, start or circle or whatever, this is one you need to know. This is a... Want you to commit to memory and just know this verse. If you declare with your mouth <coughs> that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, this question that, that Paul kind of raises here is really a two part question. And the first question is the question that I've been asking you this morning Do you believe in the resurrection? Do you believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the grave? And if your answer is no this morning, I just want to encourage you to to seek this answer out. To seek this and to know this, right? To truly seek an answer to this question. And I want to just say to any of you who are saying no to this question this morning, I don't believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. I want to just encourage you to, to look into it. And I want to encourage you to research. And I want to encourage you to read. I want to encourage you to, to seek this out. And, I, and I, here's why I say this. Our doubts and our questions are welcomed by God. Fully believe that in my heart. When we doubt and when we question, God welcomes those questions. He welcomes those doubts because he knows where the answer lies. One of my favorite passages in all of scriptures in Jeremiah chapter 29 and it's not the one you think I'm going to talk about. And here's, here's what it says, verse 13 and 14. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. If, you, if your answer to this question this morning of, 
whether or not Jesus was raised from the dead is no. I want to encourage you just to, to seek and to ask and to, to, to follow your doubts. If the answer is yes this morning, then that's, that's half of Romans 10.9. If you believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, that's half of Romans 10.9. Right, don't, it, it, what you don't see in here is you don't see believe plus something else. You, you don't, it's, it, belief has to be more than that, though. Belief is, is more than just an intellectual kind of assent to a certain set of beliefs. It's not enough just to believe. And in fact, there are, there are, we are kind of saturated with churches in America. There's, there's two just on this street, right? And if you go on King's Canyon, there's more. And then there's churches all over our city. People today are in churches all throughout our city hearing the same, same sort of message about the resurrection. All right, it's one thing to say, yes, I believe in the resurrection. In fact, in James chapter 2, James makes it clear that, that even Satan believes in the resurrection. Right? He says in James chapter 2, you believe there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and they shudder. I, I, I think if, if Satan was here this morning... And I could just interview him. We could sit up here together and I could interview him and I could say these things to him. Do you believe that the Bible is the word of God? He would say yes. Do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? Yes. Do you believe that Jesus died and was raised again? Yes. Will you repent? And will you claim Jesus as Lord? No. That's the difference. And this is the second half of, of, of Romans 10 here. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Is Jesus Lord this morning? That's the question. Can you surrender to the Lordship of Christ? Does he have authority over your life? Is he Lord in your life? Not your job, not your career, not your finances, not your family, not anything that you chase. Not, not, is Jesus Lord of your life? This is the question that everything hangs on this morning. You can believe everything right, but if Jesus is not Lord, things are different. Is Jesus Lord over your life? Some of you in here have, have made that decision before, and you've said, yes, Jesus is Lord over my life. I, I give everything to him. I, I, I want to give my life to him. I want to seek him first. This is... This is me saying Jesus is Lord. Some of you have said that prayer before. Some of you have never said that prayer. Some of you have just kind of believed the right things. You have known the right things about God. You might know more about Scripture than me this morning. You, you might be just, just super knowledgeable about the Word and have the right beliefs, but Jesus is not Lord over your life. This morning, in, in the spirit of Easter, in the spirit of Resurrection Day, I want to just give you an opportunity to, to be able to say this morning that Jesus 
is Lord over my life. Jesus is Lord. It's no longer just about believing certain things. It's no longer just about knowing certain truths. It's about giving my life to the God who gave his son for me to die and raised his son to life to defeat death and defeat sin for me so that I might live eternally with him forever. Is Jesus Lord? If you have answered yes in the past to that question, I would just encourage you to think about that. Think about that decision that you made so long ago and think about the decision and and why you made it and think about whether or not you're living up to that decision this morning. If you haven't made that decision, but you want to, I want you to. We're going to pray in a second. As we pray, I just, I just <clears throat> for those of you who have made that decision, I want you to just be in reflection. And maybe you need to make that decision again this morning. And if you haven't made that decision, I want to just invite you to, it, it's as simple as a prayer. But it's a prayer you pray every day. When you wake up, Jesus is Lord over my life. Everything I do today is for him. It changes the way you live. <clears throat> it changes the way you talk. It changes the way you act and the way that you move. Yes. Jesus is Lord. Let's pray this morning. <coughs> God, this morning we, we come on this resurrection day. And we hear these, these, this question rise this morning. Did Jesus really raise from the dead? Did Jesus really come back to life? And if we believe that, can we say this morning that you are Lord over our lives? God, there are some of us in this room who have, who have already made this decision. Maybe it was a week ago, a year ago, a decade ago, a lifetime ago, seems like. But God, some of us need to re-up on our end of this. We need to be able to say this morning that you are Lord over our lives. That it's more than just believing certain things, it's more than just knowing certain things. It has to be a life change, it has to be a way of life for us that you are Lord. And God, this morning we just we pray together, those of us who need to make this decision, that you would once again be Lord over our lives. And God, there are some of us in here who, who maybe have never, never made this decision. We've never made the decision to say, God, you are Lord over my life. I, I believe that your son Jesus came, and I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that three days later he was raised from the dead to defeat sin and defeat death for me once and for all, that I might live eternally with you. This is John 3.16. This is the gospel. If that's you and, and you're praying with me this morning, I just want to invite you just to, to pray this prayer with me. God, forgive me. God, I believe that you are who you say you are. I believe that Jesus came and that he died for my sins. I believe that three days later he rose 
from the grave. And this morning I want to say that you are Lord over my life. God, if there are those in this room who have just prayed that prayer, I just pray that you would, you would seal this decision on their hearts this morning. That they would leave this place knowing that you are, that you are with them, knowing that you are, are covering them, knowing that you are, are just with them every day, God. God, those of us who, who just re-upped our decision this morning to be able to say, God, would you... Would you continue to be Lord over my life? God, would you forgive me for, for the things I've put in place of you? But God, I want you to be Lord again. God, for us, would you just, again, just seal that decision on our hearts, God? That we would know you, that we would come to love you more, that we would live for you every single day. God, we love you and we give you praise this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning with me for the first time, I just want to invite you to uh, just reach in front of you. If you don't have a Bible already, just grab a Bible. Claim that Bible. Take it home. Write your name in it. It's yours. I don't want you to just dive in. I also want you to tell someone. Tell someone the decision you made. You can tell me, you can tell a friend, you can tell a family member. Tell someone. Because here's what will happen after this. You go home, you've just made this decision to be able to say, yes, Jesus is Lord over my life. And, and in a couple hours from now, life is going to continue going and you're going to maybe <clears throat> just move on. A couple days later, Satan's going to kind of get in your ear and be like, hey, was that even, yeah, that wasn't real. That was just a feeling. That was just something you said. That was just... Tell someone, someone that can keep you accountable for it, someone that can, that can keep you and encourage you in your faith. I love Easter. And today I love being able to celebrate the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Amen. Now we get to go out and we get to live like we believe it. That's the challenge. When we leave today, we begin to live as if we believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Because if Jesus rose from the dead and Jesus is Lord over our lives, our lives must look different. The conversations we have will look different. The interactions we have in our workplaces, in our homes, will look different because Jesus is Lord over our life now. Would you stand with me this morning? If you're new here, at the, at the end of every service, I like to just pray a prayer of blessing over you. And so I would just ask that you would, I know it feels kind of awkward, but just, just hold your hands out like this and just receive this blessing from me. This blessing this morning is from the book of Numbers. Here's what it says. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Go in the peace of the risen Christ this morning. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Go in peace.